Welcome to the bodybuilding.com podcast. So check it out. I am flying solo today. So I'm going to take you back to an interview I did with two great guys, Steve Hertzler and Jason Whitrock, where we discuss everything there is to know about keto. I'm your host, Chrissy Kendall. I am the science editor here at bodybuilding.com. And with me today, I have Jason Whitrock. He is a personal trainer, as well as a EAS Myoplex athlete and a bodybuilding.com spokesmodel. And then I also have Dr. Steve Hertzler, who is the chief science officer for EAS Sport Nutrition, as well as a member of the EAS Academy Advisory Panel. Thank you both for being here. We are thrilled to have you. And today's topic is basically gonna cover all different aspects of the ketogenic diet, including what is the ketogenic diet, who uses it or who might benefit from it, and then how to incorporate it into your everyday lifestyle. So I would say before we even get started diving into this, uh, Dr. Hertzler, if you wanna talk a little bit about what is the ketogenic diet? And if you were to explain it to um, one of your uh, patients that came in to talk to you, how would you explain it to them? Yeah, essentially the ketogenic diet um, is a, a very high fat diet um, that is moderate in protein and, and very low in carbohydrate. And the diet is has been used therapeutically in different populations, uh, in the epilepsy population and in, in children. Uh, that's one of the areas where it got a large amount of exposure, but it's sort of moved into the uh, fitness and bodybuilding world now. Uh, and a lot of individuals are attempting to you know, reduce their carbohydrate and increase their fat intake as, uh, via this diet. Typically, this diet is you know, around 75% of its calories from fat, 20% of its calories from uh, protein, and about 5% of its calories from carbohydrate. You know, I think the reason it's becoming more popular um, is because people are starting to realize um, that carbohydrates um, might be the culprit for why people get fat. Um, and insulin resistance is a very real thing, so um, it kind of turned people's attention to um, having a high fat diet, so. And the purpose to switch onto this diet or to consume uh, such high fat, low carb would be? Yeah, the, essentially what you're trying to do is uh, stop your body from burning carbohydrate as its main fuel source and switch the body's metabolism over to uh, metabolizing fat as its primary energy source. When you're metabolizing fat, uh, primarily in the absence of carbohydrates, your body will generate uh, compounds called ketones um, that circulate in the blood and then they can be used as energy sources for the brain and for the muscle tissue. And it's not quite as high in protein uh, than some of the typical low-carb diets out there. Um, we have to keep the protein under control because too much protein can actually uh, interfere with the productions of those ketones as well. And you mentioned ketones. Mm. So for the newbie out there, what are ketones and why are they important in this diet or in this type of lifestyle? Yeah, uh, ketones, they're, uh, when your body kicks over into uh, heavy duty fat metabolism, when you're not metabolizing carbohydrate, uh, you're using fat for energy. And when you really start uh, using fat for energy, uh, you actually produce in your body three substances, acetone, acetoacetate, and beta-hydroxybutyrate. Those three uh, substances are called the ketone bodies. And when those circulate in the body, those can be a source of energy for your brain. 
and other tissues to use for fuel, and you start to use those for fuel instead of carbohydrate uh, during your exercise. Mm -hmm. And Jason, you had briefly mentioned uh, insulin resistance, and Correct. I think we can kind of tie into um, ketones and, and your body using that for fuel versus what we typically yeah. consider carbs or glucose. For yeah, food. so when you're running on glucose, you know, you eat a carbohydrate-rich meal. Now, protein also does um, convert into glucose, so that is why it's a, a moderate protein diet. But when you eat carbohydrates, they cause a significant impact on your blood sugar levels. Um, as a response, your body secretes a hormone called insulin. So insulin is this hormone that is responsible for taking glucose and storing it inside muscle cells or fat cells. It's literally called the fat storage hormone. So the other thing that insulin does is since it's trying to get glucose inside the fat cell, it prevents fat from leaving the fat cell. So since this, uh, the ketogenic diet is very, very low carb, um, you are able to control uh, low insulin levels, which allows fat to actually leave the cells. And like uh, the doctor said, as soon as fat leaves the cell, it goes to your liver, gets metabolized there, and turns it into ketones. So that's the most important thing about the carbohydrate restriction is simply controlling the insulin and blood sugar levels to allow yourself to burn fat. You know, your body wants to burn fat, but it can't because you're constantly spiking your blood sugar and constantly spiking insulin. And where insulin resistance comes into play is over time when you continuously spike your blood sugar and your insulin levels by eating carb after carb after carb, eventually your body becomes more resistant to that insulin. Um, so the fat cell starts to say, hey, we can't take any more glucose. You know, this is enough, we can't do it. So it resists the effect of insulin. As a response, your body says, well, we gotta get this glucose out. So it shuttles out even more insulin. So now, even if you just eat a small amount of carbohydrates, your body's forced to secrete a ton of insulin. And like I said, if insulin is in your bloodstream, it has a locking mechanism on the fat cell and you simply will not burn fat. So insulin resistance um, leads to diabetes where eventually, the time has run out, your pancreas just gives up, and now you have type two diabetes. So the ketogenic diet um, kind of reverses that entire mechanism and says, well, let's not run on carbohydrates then, let's run on fats because fats do not cause a significant increase in blood sugar and insulin levels. And um, so. Yeah, and you bring up a, a great point, um, and we will definitely talk about the ketogenic diet for athletes yeah. or those who are resistance trained, but. Correct. Its application is not just for one population. Type 2 diabetics is just what yeah. you just mentioned. You also mentioned seizures. So yeah. uh, maybe talk a little bit about who else could maybe benefit. It, it may not always be used as a weight loss. It may not always be used, again, for an athletic population. Yeah, so but they're doing a lot of research. You know, this ketogenic diet is, is coming to the forefront, and, and, and thank heavens for it, because they're starting to use the diet actually in cancer research because cancer survives on glucose. Um, so I expect a lot of promising things to come out of it for that. Um, Parkinson's disease, it's being used in clinical studies right now to see what the effects are on that. Um, something that's uh, hits home for me, uh, my grandmother um, suffered from Alzheimer's disease and so they have actually used an application of a ketogenic diet um, to see if it's able to kind of help explain, um, you know, why people get Alzheimer's in the first place and can this diet cure it? 
you know, I went low carb forever. I found out, well, I first started off as a wrestler and I started counting calories and I said, well, all you have to do to lose weight is under eat and, and over exercise. So I did that forever. I got exhausted from it. When I got in the fitness industry, um, you know, I started doing the same approach and it just didn't work. I went to find more answers. I did a lot of research on bodybuilding.com as a matter of fact and found out that insulin is what drives fat accumulation. So I went low carb forever and it was absolutely, it was, it was miserable. I had low energy, all this stuff. Then I took a different approach. I started carb cycling. Then I had the opportunity to work um, with children who um, suffer from mental illness. And I was brought in as a lead personal trainer. And these kids all suffered from bipolar, schizophrenia, cutters. Many of them had tried to commit suicide. You name it, these kids have it, right? And so I went in there and, and the thing about it is all of these kids were taking a medication, right? And this medication made their triglycerides go up, their risk for cardiovascular disease went up, their weight went up, it skyrocketed. I mean, it went up 30, 40 pounds in a matter of a week. So I was brought in to help train these individuals to try and save their life because ultimately they end up dying by the time they're 40 simply from this, this medication that has such a, a major effect. And so um, when I got there, they told me they were gonna use a ketogenic diet approach and that um, you know, metabolic syndrome uh, could be cured by um, having a ketogenic diet. And I didn't know what that was, and I thought they were crazy, to be honest with you, having the high fat. But it was very, very, very effective for all of these children. They lost weight. Um, the cholesterol went down. The good cholesterol went up. Triglycerides went down. Waste adiposity went down. Their overall sense of well-being and energy went up. The whole thing was extremely successful. I was sold. I did it on myself and haven't turned back since. So, Yeah. So it really can be used to save lives. Yeah, multiple applications for multiple it, applications. Very yeah. interesting. So, I guess that's a good lead into um, actually how to do or to set up a ketogenic diet. And I think we start um, from the ground works. And how do you figure out how many or the the percentage of carbs, fats, proteins? Um, and if you could. You know, maybe talk a little bit about some of the common mistakes you guys come across when people are starting the ketogenic diet, and whether that's, as you mentioned before, too high of protein um, or not monitoring their carbs close enough. So I guess, yeah, how do you set it up? How, if I'm, I want to start keto tomorrow, <laughs> what do I need to do? Well, you know, the, the most important thing is making sure you understand what the macronutrient ratios are on a true ketogenic diet. Uh, again, it's different than a low-carbohydrate diet that, that a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, this is a diet that has about 75% of its calories from fat, about 20% of its calories from protein, and about 5% of its calories from carbohydrate. So basically, you have to get an estimate of what your ca uh, caloric needs are on a daily basis. There are a lot of different formulas to do that. You know, you can go see a dietitian, you can, you can get your metabolic rate uh, checked and all those kinds of things to try to determine what your overall calorie levels are. And then you uh, do a little bit of math and uh, you come up with that using that ratio and that will give you the grams of uh, fat, uh, carbohydrate, and protein that you need to target each day. Mm -hmm. And are there any specific sources? Because I know some people think 75% fat yeah. How can that be good for you? So the hardest part of this diet when you first start out is just getting over the fat phobia, as I like to call it, because you've been ingrained your entire life with this low fat craze, you know, that fat is what makes you fat. But as we discussed, um, insulin resistance and carbohydrates are actually what uh, makes you fat. But 
nonetheless, people are f- taught to fear fat. You know, they think butter is, is the devil. Um, eating fatty meats is also the devil. So the first thing you have to do is get over that fear of eating fat is going to make you fat. So when it comes to having 75% of your calories from fat, these are things coming from, you know, saturated fats, which have actually been proven to give you the most amount of energy. Um, so you have butter, you have coconut oil, eggs, um, bacon, sausage in the morning. I know everybody, when you say bacon, you're like, what? Yeah, I personally don't eat a ton, a ton of bacon, but yes, you can eat bacon on this diet. Um, And, you know, you're using oils, um, olive oil, you know, fatty fish, salmon especially is good for the omegas. Um, I eat nuts and seeds, pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds. Uh, You can use cream cheese, sour cream, regular cheese. It's just training yourself to go after the fat is the hardest part. Um, And, you know, you can only get 20% of your calories from protein. And the other thing people will end up doing is they say, they go to the grocery store and they say, I have to have 75% fat, 20% protein, and they end up selecting ground turkey or turkey bacon. Um, that's a big mistake because you'll quickly find out that your protein numbers are way up there, but your fat is down there. And, and, and what ends up happening is your body converts that protein into glucose. It'll keep you out of ketosis and mess with your energy levels. Um, when it comes to the 5% carbohydrates, I think it's important to, to note that it is net carbohydrates. So you are taking out fiber um, from that calculation. Um, green leafy vegetables are huge um, on this diet. Taking a fiber supplement is also important. Um, you know, I when I was low carb for a very, very, very long time, years, I would spend every single day just thinking in my head, I got to avoid carbs, I got to avoid carbs, I got to avoid carbs, and they're everywhere and it can be mentally exhausting. On the ketogenic diet, um, you're not eating carbs, you need to be focusing on getting enough fat. You need to wake up every day and you need to say, where's the fat coming from and how, how can I reach my fat macronutrient goal? Instead of saying, I got to avoid the carbs because you'll get caught up pretty quick. So. Yeah, I think one of the you know one of the points of confusion that a lot of people have on ketogenic diets, and I know, you know, Dr. Jacob Wilson talks a lot about this too, is that a lot of times the confusion about ketogenic diets happens because many people are are afraid of high fat, high carbohydrate diets at the same time, and while this amount of fat might seem high, I mean, if you think about it, a person on 2,400 calories a day is eating 200 grams of fat on this diet. But the thing is, that is their primary energy source on this diet. They're not, you know, it's one thing to be eating 300 grams of carbohydrate and 200 grams of fat. That's a bad, that's bad news, but this is a different, a little bit different take on it. Uh, And so that's one of the things that people kind of have to understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And would you say, at least getting started, that it's pretty important that you're tracking or is this one of the diets where you can get on the right path with just... No, you must track. And this is from personal experience and experience working with a lot of clients. It's very hard to track using MyFitnessPal and things on every single day. It just really is. It's not realistic. Um, But it's very important, especially when you start off on this diet, to use something like MyFitnessPal to track your macronutrients. Um, You know, it's because, like I said before, um, 
if you're not getting enough fat, your energy levels are gonna be down. Are you getting too much protein? How are your carbs? You need to be able to see, um, you know, you need to be able to manage what you're doing at least for the first few weeks while you're trying to get keto adapted. It also, by tracking during that keto adaptation phase, it gives you a way to troubleshoot problems. Hey, I feel like, you know, I feel like crap, my energy levels are down. Well, you can take a look and see, was your fat number there? Were you way under on fat? Did you go too high on protein? And then um, you can kind of take the training wheels off, um, you know, after you kind of, you know, you'll have your go-to meals that you'll use, you'll track and you'll every day, you know, you'll find yourself eating the same things. You'll start to know what you need to be eating to hit those numbers. Then you can take the training wheels off. But I also suggest if for some reason you find yourself hitting a plateau, you go straight back to tracking. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. the way I approach it. Yeah. And you had mentioned keto adapted. Yes. And uh, that's a word we hear ketosis mm -hmm. um, and then obviously the ketogenic diet and ketones. A lot of names that sound very, very similar, but yeah. they all kind of have their own respective definition. So take me through the process of if I just started a ketogenic diet today, what can I expect in the next few days, in the next couple weeks, and then when and what is, what does it mean to be keto adapted? Yeah, I can take you through a little bit of that, you know, the one the one thing people don't understand is that there's a difference between being ke in ketosis and being keto adapted. And the difference is, is that, you know, if you go on a, on a very high fat, very low carbohydrate diet uh, for a short period of time, you will end up with ke ketones in the blood. You'll, you'll meet the definition of being in ketosis, but your body hasn't fully adapted to using those ketones for fuel yet. There are enzymes that are... Uh, present in your brain cells and in your muscle cells and everything and it takes a while for those enzymes to kick in and there's adaptations that go on with those enzymes. You actually see the activities of those uh, enzymes that metabolize ketones go up. So it, so while you might get into ketosis after you know three, four days on a high fat diet like this, you may not be fully keto adapted for weeks or even months. It, it takes a little while um, to really, truly adapt to this uh, way of eating and this, uh, get your body metabolism to change over yeah. uh, to using fat for fuel. Mm -hmm. And from experience myself and from dealing with a lot of people that I've, I've helped with the ketogenic diet, the first few days, I would say the first two weeks, kind of considered hell week. Mm -hmm. um, you have to face and you have to understand you've been running on carbohydrates your entire life. Glucose is your primary source of energy. And um, when you take that glucose away, your body will fight you back for it. I, I kind of, you know, carbohydrates hit the same part of your brain as narcotics and other drugs called the reward center. So when all of a sudden you pull that stuff away, your body and your brain is saying, it, it, it's give me this stuff back. I kind of liken it to checking yourself into rehab, essentially. And it really does kind of feel like that. Your energy levels for the first few days um, will go down. Um, but physiologically, what your, your goal is to, to burn off the stored carbohydrates in your body. Um, once that happens, your body will switch over and start burning um, fat and produce ketones for you. It depends on the individual how quickly they can kind of overcome what's called the keto flu. The, the dreaded keto flu, it's not the actual flu, you just kind of get certain symptoms that are similar to the flu. Um, so, you know, all of a sudden, you'll kind of come out of that, that slump and your body is just gonna say, fine, okay, we give up, we don't care about the carbs anymore, we're gonna start using this fat as energy and you'll notice immediate benefits um, from it and then you're kind of, you're off to the races there, so. 
And there's some changes that go on with your fluid balance as well during the first couple weeks of, of a keto diet um, where you, ha you have some, uh, some lo more losses of fluid and electrolytes than your body is used to on a higher carbohydrate diet. Some people think that might be part of the reason why, other than the low carbohydrate obviously and the low glycogen levels in the muscle which is stored carbohydrate in the muscle, beyond that, you also can see some problems with electrolyte imbalances and things like that. So, you know, it's been suggested um, by Dr. Volek and other individuals who do a lot of research on the ketogenic diet, make sure you're keeping your sodium intake yes. where it needs to be, your potassium intake where it needs to be uh, on this diet, and that might help to ease some of those uh, keto flu type of symptoms. Yeah, that that's very, have. very, very important. Yeah. You know, the sodium is another one of those things, though, where everybody's like, well, if I eat too much sodium, I'm going to get fat, it's going to cause bloating. Not the case on a ketogenic diet. You're suppressing the hormone insulin. Um, and that's allowing you to mobilize fat, but the problem is insulin's also the, the, the hormone that tells your kidneys to store sodium. Mm -hmm. So you must replace that sodium. Your, your, your kidneys are just flushing out sodium at rapid amounts, especially when you're working out. So sodium, in my opinion, is absolutely critical. When somebody, when a client calls up and says, hey, you know, I'm feeling like crap, the very first thing I do is say, how's your sodium intake level? I'll, I'll suggest drinking a cup of chicken broth, make sure you salt your food, don't be afraid to put salt on your food, eat salty snacks. Um, the other one is potassium, which is also very, very, very important um, as well. Things like avocados are perfect for that. And then magnesium is the third essential uh, electrolyte on this diet. You can go to bodybuilding.com and you can buy magnesium supplements there and that will help you cover your uh, electrolytes. But most people, when they fail on a ketogenic diet, when they just say, hey, I'm gonna do this, and they haven't done much research, and they, you know, they'll get the eating part down for the most part, but then the electrolytes is the hidden killer here. That's, it's, when those go down, you start getting the headaches, the dizziness, the lethargy, and you will quit. Mm -hmm. And you, you didn't even know that it, all you had to do was add some salt to your food. Yeah, even using salmon as one of your um, protein sources during the ketogenic diet. Number one, it's got great healthy fats mm -hmm. and it's a good source of protein, but also it's a, it's a fairly reasonable source of potassium. Putting that with yeah. your leafy greens, your avocado, and things like that, got, that is one way to try to get uh, potassium. Potassium can be a little difficult to get on this diet because you're not getting a lot of dairy products, you're not drinking orange juice, you're not eating bananas, mm -hmm. all the kinds of things, or baked potatoes, potatoes yeah. a lot of the things that people typically associate with potassium. So, um, but there are you know ways to do that, even using some light salt once in a while, which yeah. is a yeah, you know good. potassium chloride type mm -hmm. of product is a way to get a little bit of uh, extra potassium in there on this diet. So you make sure you don't tank on the electrolytes and the yeah. fluids and stuff. Yeah. And so from going from starting, feel a little crappy for a few weeks, and then you get into keto Ketosis. adaptation, or yeah, and then become keto adapted, other than just how you feel, um, I know that there are sticks that you can pee on, there's um, blood keto, is, do you guys recommend doing that? Do you recommend just going off of how you feel, or how do you know or be able to track your progress? through the adaptation or getting to the adaptation part of the keto diet? Uh, I use the keto, um, the urinalysis tests that you can buy at your local grocery store and pharmacy. Um, they are the least accurate of all the ways to measure. Um, but, you know, I, and they can also fluctuate depending on, you know, um, water intake, timing of the day, things like that. I use them kind of just as a way, if that stick turns any shade of red, I'm good. 
you know, and I don't obsess over it. I don't do um, ketone strip tests every single day. I just kind of use it as a guide. You know, it's kind of like an, it's an assurance thing. It's if that thing turns red, I know I'm doing something right. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't care how dark it is, how light it is, things like that. But um, I'll let the doctor explain the other methods that are. Yeah, yeah, there's, there are a couple methods that are out there as well. Um, one of the primary circulating ketone bodies is beta-hydroxybutyrate, or BHB. Um, so um, the Abbott company actually has a monitor to measure beta-hydroxybutyrate concentration in the blood. So it's a finger stick, like just like testing your blood sugar. Um, it's kind of expensive on a per strip basis especially. Uh, it's probably the gold standard as far as monitoring your levels of ketones. Uh, you know, typically on a ketogenic diet, we you know, to be considered in ketosis, your, your blood ketone level or, or BHB level has to be at least 0.5 millimoles per liter, which is what the, you know, machine will tell you how many millimoles per liter you are. 0.5 to around 3 is what we would consider sort of that nutritional ketosis type of range, kind of that target level that you're shooting for. There's also uh, a uh, breath monitoring as well that monitors, monitors acetone. Um, and that one, you know, they've done some studies showing some correlations with the, with the blood uh, monitoring. So that might be an option as well. Uh, I would say still probably the blood, blood monitoring is, is the gold standard if you're really, really trying to, f to stay in that strict ketosis range. Mm -hmm. So um, during this process, again, going back to starting the diet, maybe experiencing crappy days, how or would you train differently during this time? Did you train any differently and how did you push through? Because I think that's another reason why people quit this yeah. early on. Um, and again, maybe it's because they're not using the correct supplements with it, sodium, potassium, magnesium. Yeah. Um, or maybe they're just going in too hard and not realizing that their body might need more time to adapt. Yeah, I'm trying to think back when I first started this diet. I definitely remember, um, you know, your strength kind of falls off in the very beginning. It's very common. A lot of people, are, are, they get alarmed by that. They freak out and they think my strength's gonna go down. I'm, this diet's not for me. Um, that your strength will come back as you become adapted. Um, your body's going through so many changes in the very beginning of this. Um, you know, so incorporating rest days into your training is something that I feel is very, very, very important. Um, also, research has shown that things like high intensity interval training, um, and my personal favorite is Tabata. Um, will get the glycogen down very, very, very fast, which will bring you closer to actually switching over and producing uh, ketones and getting into ketosis. Um, I incorporated a lot of supersets, tri-sets, um, you know, and just kind of keep the intensity up. Um, I also make sure that I pair. Before I did this diet, I was the typical bodybuilder, one muscle group at a time one muscle group a day type of guy. Now I make sure I pair muscle groups together. Um, I've even done some full body workouts, upper body, lower body splits, really it's up to you, but you know, um, the high intensity interval training in the Tabata, in my opinion, is, is something that's very important in the beginning and make sure you rest. Your body is going through so much changes. Um, if you don't give yourself enough time to rest, you, your body's just gonna hate you for it. So mm -hmm. that's been my experience with it. And did you take anything before, during, after your workouts, or did you supplement differently once you started on uh, the keto diet? So I had to kind of avoid the flavored BCAAs for the first two weeks just to make sure that I wasn't sending mixed signals to my, to my brain that, hey, you're going to get a little bit of glucose here and there. You can buy unflavored BCAAs, of course. Um, but creatine, in my opinion, was absolutely critical. 
uh, the production of ATP. Uh, you know, there's so many benefits to creatine, and adding that in was a huge help. Um, the creatine monohydrates. Um, you know, I backed off protein for the first two weeks, protein, whey protein supplements, um, because like I said before, if you get too much protein, um, you know, you'll, you'll, your body will convert it into glucose. But that was kind of uh, the basic supplement that I was taking. I think some other supplements that might be that might be helpful is, you know, when you're on a ketogenic diet, you're always risking losing muscle mass um, because it is a moderate protein diet uh, and it's not as high in carbohydrate. Carbohydrate is a great for everything that some people fear about it. It is a great protein sparing nutrient. So you, you do have a, the the issue of potentially turning too much protein into glucose and degrading some of that muscle protein that you work so hard to build. Uh, so some supplements that might be helpful, um, there's been some interesting research on HMB, um, especially in an, in an animal model. They actually did an, some animal studies simulating military training and caloric restriction. So they actually taught, taught rats how to exercise like soldiers, okay? And they put them on a calorically restricted type of diet kind of similar to what your body would go through in a, in a ketogenic type of state. And using some HMB in there helped to ward off that protein degradation. And there are lots of studies in humans, you know, showing that HMB is very good for helping to reduce protein degradation. Um, there's also some interesting work on phosphatidylserine and potential anti-cortisol effects of phosphatidylserine that might be helpful to kind of, you know, minimize that uh, protein breakdown uh, and try to help you hold on to that hard-earned muscle tissue. That's it for today's episode. In part two, we'll dive a little bit deeper and see what happens when you become fully keto adapted. See you next time.